0: Hi there it's Paul Tizard from Love Fly, and I help people get over their fear of flying in 30 days or less. Uh, This session I'm going to be talking about different therapies that people use to help them get over the fear of flying, a little bit of description and also help you to think about what might be useful for you. Over the last 23, 24 years that I've been helping people with uh, fear of flying, I've noticed that people have found lots and lots of different things that to be helpful to get past the fear. And so I thought I'd share some of those ideas with you, some of the things I've heard, uh, some I know more about than others. And I'll also give my verdict on what I think out of all of them probably is the most useful or the most the, the combination is the most useful so that's what we're going to go through during this uh, short podcast typically when somebody used to come near me and the course that we we're running to help themselves with their fear of flying they would often have already tried a number of things and say oh it didn't work that's uh, not in every case and it turned out to me that actually, it's not always the thing that you think you're going to work is going to work for you. It can be a combination of things. Such as, so somebody came to me once and said, "I've had some NLP training," and uh, the NLP (neuro linguistic programming). I met this practitioner. He charged me, you know, hundred pounds for the hour, and I did six sessions. And I think, all right, okay. So that's quite an investment but I don't know if it helped me. I mean, it got me through the flight that I was going on because so I had to go for a wedding, but I'm not sure if long-term it, it helped. And I think that's quite interesting. So Neuro Linguistic Programming, NLP, is it, it's been around quite a while, probably since about the 70s, I think. And it's essentially, it's just about a process of helping people to work out what are they doing. How are they being? How are they getting themselves nervous? What is it that they do that gets them into a nervous state? So are they? You know, what's their process? Do they have thoughts? Do they have feelings? Do they have a combination of the two? What are the thoughts? And so, born out of that huge sort of launch back in the seventies and the eighties, made popular by Bandler and Grinder, but also people like. Uh, Tony Robbins and Paul McKenna just to name a few there's lot. there's there's quite a few sort of superstars out there who do it and they've they've taken it a whole step further and you've got lots of different patterns of limiting beliefs and how you get past them and you can almost re-engineer your childhood and that's just scraping the surface there's loads and loads and loads of stuff that you can do this particular individual that came to me and said I've had six sessions not sure it's worked i would say that probably it did help a bit because it was getting you to get in the mindset of doing something and committing committing is the big thing when it comes to beating a fear fear of anything but the thing that i particularly know about is fear of flying is that is a level of commitment and persistence so going for six sessions and having to pay 600 pounds that's a level of commitment and as you know the example I gave you, they were able to get on that flight. Now and the other factor that's not mentioned there, it wasn't just the flight, that there it wasn't just any old flight, it was a flight that had an important purpose. So the combination of two things happened there. So the NLP, the process that he went through to get himself in the right mindset with the help of an nlp practitioner was also combined with a very powerful goal a very powerful purpose now th- sometimes that's not enough even with the combination of those two but sometimes just a powerful purpose alone can be enough to get somebody past their fear and do something they wouldn't have done now whether this is an effective long-term strategy that's down to the individual where they're coming from and how bad the fear is how long along the route they are in terms of having practiced the fear NLP in itself is not ineffective in fact, I know people have come back and said, you know, I had a couple of sessions with such and such person. And naturally, it, it made all the difference. It really got me thinking about what I was doing, what was I saying to myself? And it was extremely powerful. So you think, well, you can't knock it if somebody finds it useful. And if you go and see somebody like the Paul McKenna's, I know last time I asked him just out of interest, probably about 15 years ago, what do you charge for a day. It was twenty five thousand pounds to see him for a day. Now that's a hell of a commitment. You go along and that and he'll do his NLP, he does other stuff as well, of course. You go and pay twenty five thousand pounds, that's a lot of money. And you do that, you know that you're fired up, ready to sort of do something about it. You wouldn't spend five, 25 grand and think, Well, I'll see how it goes. You're very committed to do that. And that helps, by the way. That massively, massively helps. Other strategies that I've come across that people have talked about. Uh, hypnotherapy. Same thing. I've had loads of people come up to me on courses and say, Oh, I had a course of hypnotherapy. It got me on the flight. Some would say it completely got rid of it. it complete, I went to see a really good hypnotherapist and that person sorted me out. And then other people say, I went along and it literally had no impact whatsoever. So it have, you have to suggest to yourself or think to yourself, what's going on here? You know, is hypnotherapy in itself very much dependent on the individual going for, or is it the skill of the therapist delivering it? Well, that's a massive question. It's probably all of those things and other factors as well. Now, I have trained in NLP, and I have trained in hypnotherapy, and one thing I say that these share in common is that you need to get some time under your belt because you then work out what works for people and what doesn't. Any newbie practitioner doing anything, you're going to stuff it up a few times. And if people have paid good money to come and see you, you need something else as well. So if you're a newbie in one thing, you need to be a non-newbie in something else so that you've got something else to rely upon. You can't just be a one-trick pony unless you've had like thousands of hours doing it, and then you'd be amazing. You would be amazing. Now, the first therapist that we had work on our courses, who was the co-founder of the the Virgin Flying Map Fear programme when I ran that, his name was David, and he'd been a hypnotherapist for about 15 years. And when David and I were talking about working together in some way, I said to him, I don't want you to do hypnotherapy. And he said, well, I'm a hypnotherapist. I said, yeah, I know you are, but I don't want you saying I'm going to hypnotise you because that will put people off. I don't mind you using some of your experience and your techniques because essentially some elements of hypnotherapy are just about getting people into a really good, receptive, relaxed state and then giving them some positive suggestions to help them deal with it. I mean, this is a really fundamental thing about it. There's a lot more to it than that. Of course there is. I said, I don't mind if you do that on the courses, but please do not mention hypnotherapy because we'll get lots of people who come to it and they'll already be then in a resistant state saying, you can't get me under. You won't make me go under. And, And that's not helpful. We need people to feel like I'm going to learn lots of things during this course that I'm on today And one of them might be some relaxation and some breathing help. But it hasn't, if you set it up as this is it, you're going to come along and be hypnotised and then you'll skip out the door and it'll all be gone. We're setting ourselves up for failure, but also putting a lot of pressure on individuals that if they don't like it or it doesn't really sort of resonate with them in some way, then they'll feel like they've failed. And we don't want to set people up for failure. We want them to come out and think, right, I've done I've done something, and it's definitely chipping away at the fear. So I think, personally, I think hypnotherapy is great. I'm quite receptive to it, but different people have different levels of receptiveness. Another therapy that I've come across probably in the last 10 years, and uh, you may have heard of this, it's called TFT, it's called Thought Field Therapy, and this was introduced to us by a friend of mine called Jill Harvey-Bush, who worked as a therapist on the courses for about five years, she made the mistake of volunteering one weekend and I asked her. I said, We're desperate, I need a therapist. Five years later, she was still there. And she did a great things. She brought in Thought Field Therapy, which has a sort of one of its offspring is emotional freedom therapy, which some people have heard of. And this worked by using a series of algorithms whilst I guess disturbing the memory of what someone had of a particular instant. And Jill was very skillful at this. I did some training in this as well. I just did the the basic accreditation, which gave me enough to work with sort of basic algorithms, which were pretty much effective for 75% of people. And personally, sometimes when I found that I use this for people that it really helped. And I don't actually know how it helps. I know there is lots of work that's been done to try to work out to, or to describe how it works, but actually I never really understood it. So people used to say to me, "How does it work?" And I have to say, "Well, very well." <laughs> for some people, it just seems to work. For others, they have a—they're uh, underwhelmed. They have a neutral experience, and so and that's okay. You know, it's not—it's not for everybody. Not everything's for everybody. But one of the interesting things about it was that people often found that doing something active, whilst thinking about their fear, helped. It seemed to distract them or it reduced the symptoms or something. So, in itself, in the moment, it was quite powerful doing a, a tapping sequence and you tap various parts of your body in a certain order. And this was all what we were trained in to do. But also, others told me that actually it got rid of the fear altogether. Now, how it did that, I don't know. Was there a fear? And, and, and I used to think, oh, maybe they've only got it mildly. But actually, some of these people were very, very scared and anxious, and it's still it was okay. they got seemed to get rid of it, get shot of it, so you have to wonder, is it just different things for different people? The next technique I wanted to talk about technique's probably the wrong word for it, but modality modality is e m d r which is a i can't remember what it stands for now, but it's one of these techniques where you use eye movements. And various other techniques to almost reprogram the way that you process the fear or the trauma or the anxiety or whatever you had. Now this one has been approved by the NHS, so there's quite a lot of research behind it now. Um, Some people, I think, it actually was born out of some somebody who did NLP training and thought. I'd like to take this a stage further and, and and prove that some of these things actually work, and they've come up with their their own completely validated method now, just as a disclaimer here, I'm not trained in this one, so I don't know a ton about it. My partner is, and she uses it quite a lot with trauma work, and she said that it can be extremely extremely effective, and there is a lot of research behind it so it looks like at first glance and maybe second glance as well to be a really useful thing for people if they want some more specific one-to-one type therapy that helps them to reprocess a fear or unhelpful thoughts. With that in mind if you do see that one I think it is because there's not that many people around who are trained in it it is a little bit more pricey but It does seem to get some very good results so that's well that's worth a look worth a thought the other technique which i was thinking about the other day was cbt cognitive behavior therapy i did a version of it which was called rebt which is rational emotive behavior therapy and there's like a a wave of different approaches that use thoughts and behaviors etc and the most recent one is, you know, mindfulness, for example, and compassion-focused therapy, where you think about forgiving yourself and being kinder to yourself. This is me. God, this is such a crude way. I apologise to anyone listening it's trained in these things. But the, the beauty of these approaches is that recognising that your thoughts are not you, they're just thoughts, and they have power because we pay attention to them. And sometimes we pay too much attention to them and it's working out which ones are helpful and which ones are unhelpful to be perfectly frank and some of them are just not helpful thoughts and so cognitive behavior therapy is, at its root is about looking at what am i saying to myself is that true if it were true what could i think else could i think about the situation to give you a chance to evaluate what are you' doing in the moment what are you doing before you go near something you're scared of and what are you're telling yourself about it afterwards and so CBT is something which I've noticed a lot of people who've come through courses I've run to help them with their fear of flying have often said i've just done six or twelve sessions and it's helped me with my thought strategies and it helped me to notice what I was doing automatically that I, you know pretty much wasn't paying attention to personally i like quite a a lot of the cbt rationale and i've liked the way it's morphed i guess or grown into different versions now so the mindfulness and just giving yourself permission to notice what's going on and to recognize that thoughts are not facts they're just things that they're impulses that move around your head and some of them are not particularly helpful and to be honest most of the time the chatterbox that's running in our head is not always that useful for us it's just babbling away saying stuff which we would not always necessarily agree with you know but we don't interrogate it it just sort of happens as this unending stream of stuff now the next one i'm going to look at is something i was just investigating because someone recommended it to me so i've had a little look at it And that's called the Havening technique. Now, the Havening technique looks like it's been around for, you know, about 20 years. Uh, Paul McKenna is a big proponent of it. I think from about 2014, he's been talking about this. And this uses some similar techniques, as far as I can work out, to EMDR. And, And in fairness, I see some similarity with some of the NLP techniques, which is around reprocessing things, using eye movement, And I've also seen a link to thought field therapy because quite often you do this practice where you keep your head still, look down one way, look the other way. And I've seen some similarity with Havening, NLP and EMDR with some of these techniques. Now, of course, they all are their own technique in their own right. And the Havening group have a bunch of research to back up what they do as well. Now, personally, I have had no experience of this whatsoever. But I know some people have mentioned it who've come through and, and had some some success with it so I'd say if you haven't looked at it it's worth a look uh, you might find that that's actually it's going to be very very useful for you but it's again it's about what's work working at what's useful for you compared to other approaches that are out there now I couldn't go any more any further with this without talking about the more of the longer term things such as what might call talking therapy. So there are loads of those out there from your humanistic counseling right through to psychotherapy. Now these things work at a different level to your CBT and NLP techniques because the forementioned are much much faster acting, a bit more focused on this specific thing that you want to talk about psychotherapy talking therapies are much much broader and they're looking at your you know overall what is your sort of your fear index if you like how safe do you feel on a day to day how certain are you what's your sort of root of certainty and control in your everyday life and what can be done about that because if you genuinely and generally feel much safer and much happier in yourself chances are that you will deal with things which are irrational thoughts or unhelpful thoughts might be a better way to put it you would be able to take them much more on your stride so it's working at a much more of a core base level I guess in terms of what would be actually helpful to this person on a longer term basis and some of the people that I've seen come through courses I've run have often been having other help as well such as talking therapies so I wouldn't rule out anything I did say at the beginning that I would talk about what was the most effective that I have found. Now, on balance, I would have to say the main message is a person's got to be ready. A person's got to want to get rid of the fear. If someone gets sent on any course to any therapist for any modality and they have been sent, they haven't put themselves on it, you can pretty much forget it. And lots of well-meaning relatives do this. They'll send their loved ones to courses and therapists and say, sort this person out, I want to help them. And it's all with good intent, but the reality is the person has no buy-in. They have no desire to get better themselves. They're going along just to sort of make that person feel happy. And straight away, that is your number one problem. Until you can get past that, it doesn't matter what you do or how fantastic the therapist is, there's a good chance it'll just bounce off their head anyway. The main thing, first of all, is that the person wants to. The second thing is that accepting that it's a process. It's not just a one-stop shop. Although some people can get over a fear quite quickly, I don't see it as a one-day event. I see that that one-day event, if that was the thing you're offering, it's actually part of a process. So people have been building up to it and thinking about getting rid of the fear for a while. So by the time they do that course, if it's a one-day course or six sessions or whatever... They're already well into the process. So it's not a one-off thing. So that's my second thing. So it's got to be, first of all, they've got to want to. They've got to have a purpose. They've got to want to get past it. There's got to be the desire there. And the second thing is, is a process. So it's not just like treating it as like, I've came along and the course didn't work. Well, what did you put in? Well, I turned up and that's not enough. You've got to go through a process and you've got to do more than just do the one session so those are my two top tips the the third thing is what have i found to be the most effective hand on heart i'd probably say the one that comes up time and time again that seems to last the longest in terms of effect tends to be something like cbt and the reason i think for that is that this is provided the person's done about 12 to 15 sessions because that is about time if you think about it how long does 12 to 15 sessions take well that's three to four months so there's a significant amount of time there that person's spent thinking about dealing with their fear of flying I actually believe you can do it in less than that I can definitely help people in 30 days if they're in the right mindset In fact, I can do it in less than that, depending on where they are in their journey, provided that they want to beat the fear. If they don't want to beat it, I could have three years with them and it wouldn't make any difference. But provided they've got that desire to get over it, it can be done in that amount of time, using certain techniques and and time spent, really. So the main things are, they've got to want to be there. They've not been sent. They've got a purpose for it. Secondly, they've got to accept that it's a process and it's not just a tick list and just go a bit of magic's going to be waved over them. And thirdly, it's finding the thing which works for them. And overall, I would say that probably CBT has won out over the others, but it's not that the others don't work, because of course they do. They do, they do, they do, they do. But I believe they work provided the, the therapist is competent the person going for it is ready to receive it and thirdly that they actually accept that it's not just a one-off thing it's not like a bit of magic and the fact i'm always a bit suspicious of therapies that say one session with me and you're over your fear now i'm not saying it's not possible but it just makes me a little bit suspicious you think right if it's that easy i've had this fear for 15 years and then one session with you it's all gone will it last? That would be my fear. Will I get the re- the unhelpful thoughts recurring? And that would be my, I think that's a healthy concern. So if people treat it as a process, they want to be there and they're open to to actually beating the fear, there's no reason why people can't get rid of it. So I, ho- I hope you found that useful. Certainly I'm not intending it as a a total overview of everything that's out there, because there are other there are lots of other things out there that I hear about, and some people have said, "Do you know what really helped me? I read that Alan Carr book about you know no more fear of flying. I don't know what he calls it, or I did that breathing, you know the breathing one, you know the one the breathing one. I can't remember the name of the people came up with that, and that was really f- phenomenally useful for me. So sometimes it can be stuff that's out there which. I've never heard of but it's just effective so the reality is it's about finding the right thing being determined and accepting that it's a process that will take a certain amount of time hope you found that useful no offense to anybody that's listening who is trained in any of these things and I've done it a disservice I think they're all fantastic apologies of any offense none intended and uh, thank you for listening